So relationships are not always easy. In the nature of relationships, there's going to be conflict. There's a beautiful challenge that uh, in Romans chapter 12 that says, live in harmony with one another. Well, today, we're going to dig deep into that. How do you live in harmony with people? It isn't always easy. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. Welcome back to the podcast. It is July 1st today, right? It is, Michael. The whole day, July 1st. Here we go. It's like this year is just flying by. It is. And why do we say that? Because, you know, time is 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 always the same. It will go, gosh, that day went fast. Because we're running out of time. Well, <laughs> I'm really running out of time. There's way more years in my rearview mirror than my front windshield. Yeah, someone uh, once told me, time is the only commodity that you can spend, but you can't earn. Ooh, that's heavy, heavy. But we're not talking about time today. <laughs> well, just a little, you know kickstart to the podcast. I wanted to just get you going, get the blood flowing. Well, before you ever ask me a question, Michael, I just, uh, I want to give you an affirmation because we are to affirm one another and encourage one another. Uh, the topic we're dealing with today, live in harmony with one another. Um, I absolutely have watched your life over these last 14 years, and you do such a great job being intentional about your relationships. And when something goes a little bit south, you don't just let it go, you step right into it. And uh, I honestly live in such great harmony with you. And, but here's what I know. If there was something I, I did or said or an attitude and it, it offended you, I know you would go right to me because you would never want any blockage in our relationship. Wow, thank you so much. Absolutely. Let's just close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> That's relationships for you right there. Yes. Now, you, likewise, I love that we can talk to each other openly. You bet. But it's, it's not always that way, is it? And, uh, you know, like, um, you know the background I came from, and, and my family was constantly in conflict. Now, again, you know, we were atheists, and we didn't have a moral compass. Mm -hmm. And re relationships, as I saw in my family, were disposable. Like, I would hear my dad or my mom talk, and they could walk away from a relationship just as easy as they could make a relationship. But I, I saw relationships as disposable. You didn't have to work at them. If they got too frustrating, you just kind of turned your back and left. But, you know, the Bible doesn't give us that out. It tells us to live in harmony with one another. Mm. Yeah, that that's weighty. Because uh, when, you, when you have a relationship that's going to be lasting... Accountability just naturally is built in, right? But if it's right. disposable, it removes that accountability. Is That's, that? Yeah, we don't have to have tough conversations. Yeah. You know, one of the things, like when people will say, man, I've got friends from when I was in elementary school. 
immediately I, I, I go, man, good for you. Because here's what I know. There's no way if you have a decades-long relationship that you haven't had conflict. Right. So when people tell me they've had a long-term marriage or they've had long-term friendships, I go, man, good on you, because I know that they had to work through some difficult situations. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Well, because we're, we're wonderfully flawed. We're wonderfully human. And so, uh, you know, what I know is that uh, I'm, you know, uh, I'm blind to things. Like, have you ever heard the Jahari window? No, what is the Jahari window? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Well, it's really uh, two two gentlemen that came up with this whole concept of the issue of things we know, things we don't know. But there's four quadrants that we operate in relationship. First of all, like there are things that I know about myself and you know about me because you've you've spent time with me, and uh, and then there's things that I know about me that you don't know. It could be things that I don't feel like it is it's relevant to our relationship, you know, and so uh, or we've never talked about we it. We just never had the chance. That's right. Yeah. But the the next two quadrants are the tricky ones. There are things that I don't know about myself that you know. Okay, those are called blind spots. Then there's things I don't know, and you don't know. Those are danger zones. Because, you know, like, like, like for me, I was a people pleaser a good amount of time in my life. And because I'm, I'm affable, people like me, and uh, is that I think they excused my people pleasing. There were conversations I w- wasn't willing to have. Uh, when, I, when I messed up, I was late, I didn't come through, I, I would joke about it. And people, because they liked me, would let it go. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, I would cover myself. I would give an excuse or I would blame something. And honestly, to be a people pleaser, you have to be a liar. Mm-hmm. And, and that went unseen or unchecked for literally uh, the earlier part of my life until I was in my 30s or 40s. And then finally I got confronted about it. Mm-hmm. But it was something I was blind to. And I think other people were, were blind to and it never got resolved. Well, you can't live in harmony if, if number one, you have blind spots and they're damaging to relationships, uh, or people aren't willing to confront them. Now, if they're blind spots, how would we know they exist? Well, that's, that's the third area of the Jahari window. So good you brought that up. And we talk, we've talked about this before. Why does God say that we're to confront one another? Because everybody has blind spots maybe attitudinally. You know, like, like I remember a good friend of mine, and uh, I, I've shared this with you before, is that um, early in our relationship, uh, he kind of noticed that I liked his stuff too much. Yeah. And one day he confronted me. Okay, I would have never dealt with that area of my life of being ungrateful and covetous if he hadn't said, you like my stuff too much. So I was blind to it, but he wasn't. So to live in harmony... It, it, it takes people that are close to you that are willing to have maybe at times difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is that we need to surround ourselves with the right people, mm. which in my experience, having the right people around me often requires me to let my guard down, let people in, so to speak. Yes. Okay. Now, and, and, and perfect. You, you kind of teed it up, the golf metaphor. And that is... 
what if I became intentional in my relationships and I, I, I desire so much to live in harmony? I literally, like um, yesterday's a good example because I always like relevant, up-to-date examples. I had my uh, year-long interview with my boss. Yeah. Got a great interview. And, and I mean, he, he was just wonderful. He, he knows me. He's managed me well. And uh, what's great is I'm old enough to be his dad, and he's my boss. <laughs> so cool. And, uh, but anyway, uh, at, toward the end of our conversation, I said, hey, listen, there's something I, I just really want you to know. And he goes, what's that? And I said, if I ever have a bad attitude, if I ever say something out of line, if I ever do something that's unnerving to you or you feel like I'm hurting people, would you make sure you tell me? Now, why would I do that? Because you invite the opportunity to grow in relationship, right? Yeah, and I got blind spots. You know there's sometimes you'll say something, it might hurt somebody, and they get hurt and they don't say anything. Now there's a rift. See, and I see this, Michael, all the time in relationship. We, we, we are conflict-averse. We're not willing to step into things. And, and in order to live in harmony, you've got to have people around you that speak the truth, people that will put it on the table, that people aren't afraid of what it might do to the relationship. You Like in Proverbs, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, yeah. oh, but deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. Yeah. See, the people that flatter you are not the people you want to hang around with. So, yeah, it's not so much being aware of what your blind spot is. It's, it sounds like just being aware that we have blind spots. Yeah, and inviting people to speak into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to be a very secure person. And, and I will honestly tell you, it hasn't, it's only been in the latter part of my life I've been secure enough to invite it. Mm-hmm. But early on in my life, I look back, I go, what if I had? Yeah. What if I had invited it? I would have been a stronger, more confident, uh, more capable, more harmonious individual if I had invited it. That's cool. That's so cool. I'm so glad you said that because that, for me, that's so just there's so much substance there. I'm a young guy. I'm a dad, business person surrounded by, you know, so I'm really evolved socially and we just move so fast that it's a great reminder that I need to stop and ask, yeah. how am I really doing? The people that know me best, you know, where, where am I falling short? Where are my blind spots? Yeah, and, it, and it's this beautiful recognition that I'm wonderfully human, wonderfully flawed. And, and I, like I will tell people, I would never intentionally hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. I'm a much more loving person. But, but dang, I... I you know, I'm going to say something, I'm going to do something <laughs> that is going to hurt somebody. Like there, there's this proverb that is, I call it my nemesis, because um, as you probably know, I use a lot of words, <laughs> okay, and uh, probably more than the average female. And, uh, but, but here's the deal. In Proverbs, it says, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So what I know in the nature of, of being me, I'm going to screw up with my words. So, so to invite people, if I ever say anything that you know is hurtful or, or you feel is off color, would you please tell me? That's cool. Good for you. Yeah, because I would never want to intentionally hurt somebody with my words. Yeah, that's that's a great perspective. Just the more words that are coming out, the more likely it is that you're going to say something that shouldn't be said or doesn't need to be said, right? That's right. 
Well, you know, uh, I, I love foundational things. And, you know, here, here we've got this uh, verse out of, out of uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse, uh, you know, 14. And, uh, and it, it really is this great goal, if you will, you know, and that is to be in harmony. But, you know, one of the things uh, that is just a few verses later is one of my relational goals in my life. And it's Romans 12, 18. If at all possible... So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So this concept that goes along with it, live in harmony, has to be buffered by this, that it's not always possible. Yeah, we talked about that. If if at all possible. So sometimes it's not. Now, it seems to me from, I mean, that's, that's you need discernment to, to know whether or not to continue pursuing that peace or letting it go right right and 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 some relationships you know um are on like it's it's not going to be healthy it's not going to be healthy for the two of you um i mean for um you know the latter part of their lives the apostle paul and john mark john mark had gone on a, a missions trip with paul and literally he was sick in the middle of the trip and he went home and paul was ticked now, you got to understand, Paul was probably the man. I mean, the guy was scourged three times. Jesus was only scourged once. Paul was stoned almost to death. He was in prison, shipwrecked at sea. He was lashed. He was beaten. He was abused. I mean, that guy got beat up for his faith. Well, John Mark leaves on the first missionary journey because he's a little sick. Well, the second missionary journey... Um, Barnabas, one of Paul's friends, said, hey, let's bring John Mark. And Paul said, mm -mm, no way is that happening. And literally, uh, Barnabas went with John Mark, and they did another ministry. And, and so John Mark and Paul were estranged for years. It wasn't until the end of Paul's life that he called for John Mark. Now, why is that, that story important? Man, if two incredible spiritual leaders could not find harmony for a period of time, I go, okay, I get it. Sometimes it's not possible. Yeah. Now, in our lives, you know, scourged, shipwrecked at sea, these are so, you know, radical yeah. compared to what we deal with today. But I feel like um, where toxic relationships come up often is when sub substance abuse is in the picture. Wow. Okay. Okay, now, now you're hitting where harmony isn't possible, is that we're not to soft-sell relationship. Relationships are difficult, and there are things we need to talk about. You hit a big one, you know, and, and substance abuse is rampant in our culture because there's so much anxiety and depression, and people are moving in alcohol and drugs to medicate themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, harmony is not possible when, when a friend or a family member is an addict. Mm -hmm. Because they love the addiction. In other words, their brain craves, if it's the alcohol, if it's the cocaine, whatever it may, might be, their brain works against them. And they will sabotage the relationship with you because the addiction is so great. It's, it's actually not a volitional decision. They would love to have both, but the addiction so strong, they'll sabotage the relationship. Okay, so now we, if we've got someone in our life, we love this person, yeah. we desire to be in harmony, in relationship with them, but it's a toxic relationship. What's our responsibility 
from from our you know i'll just be honest there's someone in my life that mm-hmm. i would like to be in relationship with but i just i can't even pick up the phone and call this person because i know that it's just in my experience years of experience now it's toxic yeah yeah and and you want to define toxic you know toxicity is that thing where there may be virtues or character traits that person has like um in my world i need friends that are confidential because there's things that i hold that that go deep and and so confidentiality is a, a virtue that that if I'm going to have a friend, somebody close to me, somebody I can live in harmony with, they're going to have to be confidential. Well, I would hope that they would expect that from me, and uh, and so a toxic person could be a person that can't uh, hold um, um, you know confidence, and uh, and and so you know I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be in relationship with them. And again, it's not a judgment thing. It's it's the fact that. Um, I need confidential friends. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, again, I, I don't have addict friends. I mean, I'm not judging an addict, but y- you can't have a healthy relationship with an addict mm-hmm. because, again, the addiction is more important than the relationship. Now, that can be, you know, so obviously I, I don't go around telling someone that they're not my friend, you know, but uh, when someone is using drugs or alcohol, and it's someone, this person that I'm in a relationship with is, it can be hurtful to them when I don't make myself available because we do have a history of having a relationship. And it's so hard for me to be hurtful to another person. It, it's, you know, it weighs on me. Okay. There's another thing is, is, is undue expectation can create a tension in a relationship. Like if a person goes, you know, hey, you're never available. Like I, I have a, f- a friend of mine, John, who you know. And one of the things I love about John is, hey, when, you, when are you available? Hey, could we maybe get together? And if I say no, he goes, okay. Because he knows as a pastor, my job is not eight to five. And so there are times I'm available, times I'm not. And man, he's uber sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And I, and John's I feel- a very healthy person though. He is. So and, when you but, say no to someone that really wants you to be available. <laughs> well, and, and I, have a, I have a person that used to be a friend that couldn't handle my schedule. He goes, well, you just don't have time for me. I said, it's not that. You know, I, I just don't have the amount of time you need. And, and so we're, I mean, we're, uh, we still greet each other. We're friendly. We're just not friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, but that can be like, again, this person that is, you know, using drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. just living in a, their lifestyle is different than mine. Yeah. Okay. And if I was to say, you know, because there's, there is an expectation that we're going to see each other, but mm-hmm. I choose not to make myself available. Uh, it's, that's a, it's a tough tension to manage. And I've been, I've been doing my best to set an expectation of I'm not available to you mm-hmm. because this relationship is, in my opinion, it's toxic. It's, well, it's non-productive because they just haven't made the choice to walk away from drugs and alcohol. Okay. Okay. And, and that is the, the thing of, you know, that we want to, you know, like in Ephesians 4 when it says, lay aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with your neighbor. The truth has to be the, the you know truth in love. What's the loving most loving thing? Hey, I, I just want you to know it just it it really 
breaks my heart that you still can't let go of whatever it may be, mm -hmm. alcohol, drugs, whatever. And I really can't be in relationship with you because my time as a, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, a family member, I, I don't have that much time and I'm not gonna invest time with somebody where a drug or alcohol is more important than relationship. So really saying that to this yes. person. Oh yeah, because again, we're sometimes afraid of just telling the truth. But when we put the truth out there, I, I, one of the things that makes us again conflict averse is that, is that we're afraid of people's reaction. But the, 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 the maturing point for me was when I realized that if I deliver the message in love, in gentleness, in humility, and the person just blows up, person gets angry, I'm not responsible for that. In other words, I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I used to because I was a people pleaser. I wanted everybody to like me. Yeah. But see, I'm not conflict averse anymore, and I'll go straight at something. And and so I, I, I wouldn't want to invest my time with somebody who wasn't willing to be sober. It, it just it wouldn't work. I'm not I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. That's it, and it will be difficult for that person to hear it, but... It's the truth. Yeah. Now, it's very different if God has kind of set out, um, you know, for you to minister to somebody. Like I, I had a friend uh, who, uh, who had attempted, it was going to be death by suicide, and he actually lived. And, uh, and for years, he was distraught. He wanted to take his life again. He was wondering why God didn't let him die. And I stood with him day in and day out. That was very different. It was a giving proposition on my part, but he's my friend and he was in need. So if God calls you into walking with an addicted friend and you recognize there's not going to be an upside for me here other than the fact that God's calling me to walk with this person. See, that's very different. Mm -hmm. So okay, what you're tapping into is conviction, right? To yeah. understand that you're being called to do something. You right. feel moved, compelled to do something. Conviction is something I'm really interested in. Mm. How do we gain a better understanding of conviction? How can we kind of approach that in our lives? Man, million-dollar question. <laughs> um, it is, this is in, in your walk with, with Christ. He speaks through his word, through other people, uh, through um, um, thoughts. He'll speak to us. Um, he'll do it through open and closed doors dreams. Um, there's there's a, a beautiful thing that God speaks to us. When he does, then, and I embrace it, it becomes a conviction. Like, like for me, I have a strong conviction that God called me 48 years ago to be a pastor. I'm living it out. I love it. It's who I am. That's a conviction. Mm -hmm. uh, this friend of mine who, uh, who had tried to take his life, God called me to walk alongside of him. There was a gal whose husband committed suicide or his death by suicide, and I got called out on this thing and had to go to her house. The husband had asphyxiated himself in the garage, and God said, stay with her. And I would say for at least a decade, I did. And, and until she was walking on her own, her son had grown up, and, uh, and that was a conviction because I knew that's what God called me into. It's his voice. And, uh, and it, it could be who you're, who you're wired to be. Yeah. 
you know, like a, a paramedic has a conviction, I want to be there at the worst possible times in people's lives when there's this huge car accident or a fire or whatever. And, and I, want, I want to help people and bring healing. That's a conviction. Yeah. It's, it's something I'll do no matter what the cost. You know, it seems to me like you have a good clarity in that part of your life. And um, it's not easy for all of us to discern. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I'll pick up my Bible and read my Bible, and some there's some pretty interesting things in there that, you know, I could be like, oh, is God tell you know, I'll read the Old Testament where a guy has multiple wives or kills his brother or whatever. It's like, I don't know, if the God's Word and prayer, you kind of have to, how do you test that it's God speaking to you? And, and, and I, I think the foundational ones certainly is it within the Word of God. Okay. Secondly is the plural, you know, like Proverbs says, there is wisdom in the plurality of counselors. You know, men speak into you. And, and, and by the way, again, you, 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 you were talking about, so you got to really choose your friends wisely. Yeah, because you're the sum total of your closest friends. Seriously. They, they will influence you. I remember I had to make a decision whether to send my son to USD, which happened to be one of the most expensive universities in the nation. And uh, I remember the counsel I got. And it, it actually turned me, I was kind of hesitant, and then I got a conviction because they said, you know, Eric, trusting God financially has never been easy for you. We think you should do it because you need to see and watch how God provides. And oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so cool. Years later, I look back and go, they were exactly right. But it, I think the plurality, plurality of counselors really is a big one. And then open and close doors. Like, God, if you don't want him at USD, just l- let him not get in. But he got in. And, and on short notice. And, uh, and then we watch God provide. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the, those are the three biggest is God's word, if there's a green light there, plurality of counselors, open and closed doors. Cool. That's helpful. I'm yeah. so glad we talked about that. I know we're like kind of all over the place with this subject of no, living not. in harmony, but I guess we're doing it. We're doing it fluidly. <laughs> but but it, again, harmony is such a great thing because, you know, um, especially as you get older, um, like you'll see me get emotional, you know, because now being a grandpa. Why? Why do I get emotional? Because it's legacy. I'm living in it, in it, all the dreams and prayers I ever had, I'm in. I mean, I wanted a healthy family. I wanted a connected family. Um, I wanted a family that I was proud of, that would live out the faith. And I look at my family and I go, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm living it out. I, you know, I watch the grandkids, you know, Sage and Bobby, and oh my gosh. I, I mean, to watch Sage, I, I was uh, there to greet her every day at VBS. Not because I had to. I just wanted to see her. <laughs> and to see her, she's just lit up. Yeah. And she just, like, seeing her sing the songs, memorizing the verses, playing with her friends. I go, I raised my kids in the church, and now I get to watch my grandkids. Mm-hmm. So this concept of harmony, you know, uh, you know, you work really hard, you know, uh, in real estate as a broker. And you're constantly looking for new uh, avenue streams and 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 why because you love your family and you want to provide for them and so it's worth the work mm-hmm. 
Well, in relationship, how crazy would it be for you to work really hard as a as a as a you know apartment broker, and then you just let relationships go? Seriously, if your marriage blew up or your kids become estranged, I mean, seriously, what? Yeah. Why all the work? Yeah, the why becomes for an what? impossible question to answer. Yeah. yeah, that's why this harmony thing is such a big deal, and and I, I gotta constantly examine. Am I in harmony with, uh, and, and by the way, usually it's harder for people to be in harmony with those north of them than those who are uh, parallel to them. Okay, what do you mean by north and parallel? Because we don't do submission well. We don't, we don't deal with bosses, uh, legal entities. There's people that have authority over us that God has, has put in place. And we'll get into this in another discussion, but we're to be submissive to one another. And so there are people that know things more than I do. Things, you know, uh, they have authority over me. You know, like um, with my bosses, I make it very clear to them, just like I did with my boss yesterday. Hey, if I'm not doing what's value producing for the organization, tell me. If I do anything that would be upsetting, frustrating, tell me. Why? Because I'm in submission. Mm. See, and I, I don't feel like people really buy into submission. It's It can be so difficult because... Our, I feel like our culture just tells us to be authoritative, be confident, be influential, right? There's so many tensions that just, you know, living in today's cultures. I mean, we live in Southern California. It's so fast-paced and glamorous. Yes. And submission is typically not so glamorous. Right. And, and, and it's the submission that would drive me to live in harmony. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, if I've got a frustration with my boss, you know, typically what do employees do? They go talk to each other. It's, you know, the, they call it the water cooler conversation. Right. Oh, man, Jim, da, 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 da. do you know he, you know, I was supposed to get a raise this year. And, and they, why don't they talk to Jim? <laughs> yeah. And, and even if Jim doesn't change his mind, get it out. And, and, and so, yeah, so the harmony thing is, is to me, parallel to the submission thing because we're to be submissive to one another. But it's really understanding the value of relationship. Mm-hmm. It is the greatest gift God gives us. Totally. He gives us himself. And then he says, now live in harmony with one another. Yeah, and, and I think when you do, the joy, even in the hardest of life's experiences, like I had a guy who uh, lost his wife, and I just met with him last night, and, and we cried together. And, and it, to see after a 57-year marriage, the, the, you know, what C.S. Lewis said was, it, it's like losing your limb, but you'll never have it back. Mm. It will be a hole in his life the rest of his life. But he said, how much better it is that he has a circle of friends, a community that cares for him. Because nothing's going to take away that hole. But it's the pain is eased by relationship. Now, so my challenge to the to the listeners t- this morning is uh, is really to evaluate relationship, and am I in good stead? A- am I am I living in harmony? And by the way, if you if it's hard for you to evaluate, ask them. Yeah, ask them. How we doing? We're fine. Good. I wouldn't want anything in between us. I need you too much. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What yeah. a great, great exercise we should all go do. Absolutely. And, and, and if you're in harmony, affirm that. Say, man, just like I did starting off the podcast today, 
I affirmed you. Why? Because I love that we live in harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't manufacture what we do on this podcast. That's why I love doing this with you is there's no fluff. Yeah, I mean, you'd call me out if I if you knew hey, you don't do that or I don't see that in you, and I love that accountability. Yeah, and it's it's fun because there will be some people that you just can't find harmony with, and you'll know who your closest people are because you'll find harmony, right? That's it, and and, and it's all right to have people that um, you simply can't be with. Mm-hmm. For one reason or another, and I, I, I don't have time to go into that. Yeah, I, I love the, the uh, there was that little verse, uh, kind of, I almost see it as like a tool, but uh, humble, gentle. Oh, yes, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Galatians 6, that, that we, we do all things in gentleness and humility. Yeah, the, if you, as long as you're doing that, and if you find yourself out, you know, removing a relationship or yeah. less committed to a relationship, if you're humble and gentle... Yeah. It should go okay. Absolutely. And, and, and if you did it wrong, if you, if you should be with him, you don't think the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you? <laughs> well, redemption say, happens a lot. Yes. There, the Holy Spirit's not going to let you sit if you're, if you're in arrogance and you just walked away from the relationship because you were just soft and you couldn't have the tough conversation. Holy Spirit's not going to let you live with that. So, well, Michael, thanks for talking about this. And, and uh, you know, I love doing these podcasts with you. And uh, next week, or not, our next podcast, I should say, we're going to uh, deal with a concept that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's the proper forms of affection. It's very interesting. In Romans 16, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, what is that, Michael? <laughs> Big old smooch. Yeah, right on your wife. <laughs> well, that's not really what it is, but we'll talk about it next podcast. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, hey, uh, we always welcome comments, questions. You can reach out to us, relationshipbythebook at outlook.com or on social media. We'll see you next time. <laughs>